When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Damn it, here! Welcome to Toronto Sports Matter, Toronto Basel Matters, podcast number 29. Guys, the group, the gang is back together to my left from his sabbatical in Boise, Idaho, working at Bed Bath Beyond. It was actually a case study for his PhD program about the financial divide. Kidding. It's Gregory Yerushadis, no longer working for Bed Bath and Beyond. I was actually at a Pokemon Go convention, and thanks for asking how it went. (laughs) (laughs) In Fresno, California. And to my right is Christian Wolfgang Graffin, back on his beautiful tour with the Antique Roadshow, collecting a bunch of antiques across the uh, the the UK graph and how'd that go? Look, we have to set up a podcast booth at my house, and it's going to be the most extravagant podcast booth you've ever seen. <laughs> all right, t- everything in there is a bargain, but worth <laughs> so much more than I got it for. The bargain hunter. Christian Graffin. All right, guys, let's get straight to the point. Let's get uh, at it. Let's get at it. All right, so three games basically were played since we lasted a podcast with uh, Javon and myself. Uh, nice little win against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, a little bit of a... Um, I guess, I don't know, a, a big win over the surging Indiana Pacers. And last night, a fantastic win over the Phoenix Suns. Guys, what are your biggest takeaways this week? I'll give it to Greg. Um, takeaways, I mean, these are teams that we should beat. I think uh, the Indiana team is a tough-nosed, uh, fast, uh, old-school team that you know gave us a little bit of trouble in Indiana, but once we matched their small ball... They can't really compete with us. So that was a decent win. I would like to see us punish some of these poor teams a little more. Like, it's frustrating that the starters just can't come out and lay the hammer down on teams right. like Phoenix and not have to rely on the second unit to to get it to that 10, 15-point lead. Uh, I'm really excited about the next month because we've flown under the radar, which is perfect. That's the way we likes it, right? Everyone's talking Boston, those friggin' leprechauns. Everyone's talking Cleveland. Raptors are going to fly nicely under the radar, put a nice 10-game win streak together. I'm looking forward to the next month. Well, I mean, it's not... uh, Yeah, obviously, Cleveland and and the Celtics have been the talk of the town ever since the season sort of started. Before the season started. Before the season started. And Boston sort of warranted that, I guess, and Cleveland's done on a 12-game win streak. But the Raptors are coming... They're getting noticed in the media. There are, there are people now I'm starting to notice in, in American media as well. That are, Get out of town. They're, they're actually looking at the Raptors and going, you know what, they're not so much uh, that bad as I thought they were. Well, speaking of noticing the Toronto Raptors, uh, the Ringer NBA podcast 
showed some love toward Toronto's very own basketball team. We'll play that clip right now. Also have the Raptors, who I think that's actually a pretty legit watchability. And I know that maybe the past couple of years they haven't been because it seems like the same old. But I would like I recommend watching them I, to everyone. I watched them last night. Yeah, there was this one incredible play that says everything you need to know about them. DeRozan drives to the nail exactly where he always wants to be to take that long range two. He jumps up and then he just has like. Oh, right. It's 2017. <laughs> and he like out of the shot yes, passed to Lowry yes. for like a three feet behind the three oh, shot. Their ball like, movement has, yeah. be, has been amazing. And you know that thing that the Warriors do all the time where it's like they've been they're in the half court. They've been passing it. They have a pretty good shot. He could take it. And then they just make one more pass. Yes. For the wide open. Now, the, now the Raptors are doing that. And then they have the perfect setup. All right, guys. So do you think this is like this sort of. Like, do you think we're still that sort of like team on the outside team that no one's really a good giving a good chance to win a championship? Or do people yeah. actually look at the Toronto Raptors as an actual threat to win the Eastern Conference or potentially win the NBA championship? No, well, all all it took was five years of this group. What is it, the fourth year or the fifth year that this group has been together winning big time? Well, see, it's funny because exactly what she was talking about. She said that now the Raptors are finally starting to use that extra pass when Demar drives in, where he used to get a two. Every single time. And now, and now they're legit. getting a three. And that seems to be the reason why we're getting legit, because we're starting to play the way that is sort of, you know, fancy and able to... It's watchable. Yeah. It's yeah, more please. watchable. Oh, I see. So, it, yeah, it's more... Enter- hey, it is, right? Uh, watching JV, like, just pick and roll is, is definitely not as fun as, right, the ball moving, lots of shots, OG Ananobi. An exciting rookie hitting corner threes, exactly. And DeMar, like you said, in, like she was talking about. Those uh, wise words from the mouth of shit Haley O'Shaughnessy, writer for The Ringer. She, that's who it was? Yep. Okay, well, honestly, I agree with her. And I think people in the American media are starting to take notice because of the way we're playing. And uh, it's exciting. De- DeMar has especially last night in the Phoenix game, he is mastering being that guy who drives and kicks out. And his passing skills have gotten on like a James Harden type level now, I find. If he's able to hit a three consistently, oh my God, he'd have the best player in the league. Yeah, I I really appreciate as a Raptors fan, like Jay Triano was, uh, he was coaching the game last night, former, for those who don't know, former Toronto uh, bench boss. And I'm thinking back to the DeMar from those days. Okay, very one-dimensional player. I never would have thought that he would become the player that he is today. Not even, I didn't think he was going to be the scorer that he is today, let alone the complete basketball player that he's turned into. The guy's stealing the ball. Forget the assists, forget the rebounds. He is giving you the defensive end of the floor, too. I'm you know, it, it speaks to his character. Well, it's the highest assist total of his entire career. You're talking about a full um, assist average oh, per yeah. game. Also dropping eight times last night. Him well. and Lowry, like their stat lines, they look like mini LeBron stat lines. Like their stats stuffing. Which is funny because that's that leads me, I guess, to the question of what Brandon was saying at the beginning. Why do we have such bad beginnings of Lowry and, and DeRozan are doing so? Honestly, I think one of the things might be everybody around them. And for me, Ibaka he's got to play better. Last night, he played fantastic. Yeah. I don't know if it was because Dikembe yeah. Mutombo was in the building. It was that. Or, it was that. I mean, he gave he a finger wag as well. <laughs> and honestly, he has to play like, can we invite 
Dikembe Mutombo for season tickets and pay him for this? If we have Ibaka playing like that, that's the third guy that we need to spark that sort of, you know, the, that's why we looked good last night. First time we uh, here, right? First time we saw the finger wave since uh, our boy Bismack Biombo did it. I don't think, uh, I think there's a little bit of a, uh, a beef between Dikembe and Bismack at the time, but I don't think Dikembe gave him his blessing to uh, wave his finger. Well, well, uh, <laughs> he said that, you know, they interviewed Dikembe. And for, uh, for those that don't know, Dikembe is a humanitarian of humanitarians, right? And, you know, I love listening to him talk. He's got this deep voice, right? And he gave... The cookie monster. He, yeah, the cookie monster, exactly. And he gave... With all due uh, respect. Ibaka the, uh, the go-ahead there. There's another guy I want to talk about, and uh, I'm going to base it off last night's performance. Fred Van Vliet has looked fantastic within the last couple of weeks. Last night, dropping 13 points of six assists. Guys, are we? Is this going to be like a perfect complimentary guy to have the bench, like a Steve Kerr, T.J. McConnell s player who necessarily might not be a starter, might be a fringe starter in certain situations, but it's a vital component as a like a hustle point guard of the bench, maybe within the same mold of a Matthew Deldova. I don't. To me, it just looks exactly like Kyle Lowry, but a little bit smaller and a little bit worse. He's a poor man's Kyle Lowry, and <laughs> he has that attitude as well. Like I don't know, I don't know where exactly he's from, but it seems like he'd be from Philadelphia. I don't know. That just seems like the spot that he'd be from because of the way he plays. He yeah, plays no, no, no. He's a from tough, nowhere. tough game. He's from nowhere. I've, I've seen him get He's from Rockford, Illinois. There you go. Rock, there you go. There you Pride go. of Wichita State. Yep. So, I mean, honestly, the way he's been playing lately, his, it's almost made me even question, uh, you know, DeLon. Uh, his role, he's made DeLon now seem like he's going to have to fight for his job back. Which and might not be... You know, internal competition isn't necessarily the worst thing. Well, I think DeLon Wright and Fred Van Vliet can coexist in the bas- the backcourt. I think their skills sort of complement each other. Is that fair to say? Yeah, but we don't like rolling out 12 guys. Like, we've been criticized before with rolling out 12 guys in the lineup. When, well, when Garrett comes back. Do, should we kind of question uh, re-signing Norman Powell? Like, is he an expendable guy at this Honestly, point? this has been something I've been, re- I've been questioning the entire time. Is that, did we do it too early? And basically based on OG and Anubi playing so well 16 points and last night. like uh, did you have you guys noticed like really noticed Powell recently I've noticed him for a couple flashy plays but he hasn't well, been he what was he was injured, last right? year he was injured right yep um and I want to get back to OG because I think he deserves like his own little little segment here but on Van Vliet <laughs> from OG to Van right Vliet. I know because that's what we're talking about right <laughs> Brandon asked about him you know what you could see that he he's just he's found himself in the right situation here. He has a coach who gave him a shot and credit to Dwayne Casey, man. You know, Dwayne Casey is the kind of guy that like, he's not gonna look at a player like that and say, No, you're too small. You can't make it in the NBA. Right? He's the kind of guy that's like, if you produce, I'm putting you on the court. And Van Vliet comes out and he gets into people, man. He gets into people. His main thing, if he wants to be a a, a regular backup in the NBA, he's gotta hit his threes. He's got to hit his threes. Well, he has been. He's been doing it recently. Yeah. Like he's been yeah. playing so well that he's pushed JV out of that starting lineup, and he plays at the end of the game now. He plays the last three minutes of a well, game. Well, but Casey does that often, right? Like yeah. it's 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 not necessarily him. It's it's that he Casey likes it to end it with Ibaka. He's been doing this Ibaka Pirtle pairing. That was my favorite thing, right? Uh, now, now again though, and I don't want to shift shift it too much yeah. here. The issue with Pirtle, and and you see it when they play power bigs, he gets abused. Did you see that dunk that Dwight Howard put on him and Ibaka? Like they get abu- they get abused by power bigs. And look, right now there's an issue with the front court. But it, and personally, like it's frustrating for me to watch JV get so poorly utilized because I know he's a better offensive player than 
what is currently being put out, right? He should not have four points in a game. I think he should be averaging 15 points a game in the NBA. I think it's about minutes. I think it's about touches. I think it's about looks. I think it's about system. And it's a, it's also in JV's head. I think it's a matter of just taking advantage of every situation you can in the, every game. You know what I mean? Look at a guy like Joseph Nurchik on Portland Trailblazers. In most, like in all actuality, I don't think they're sort of schematically, you know, creating yeah. plays specifically for Nurchik, but he's just taking advantage. No, but he's also getting 30 minutes, 35 minutes a night. Like, right. he's there guy, right? The way that Casey's been doing it this year, it's been like a three-man center rotation. Bigs need to bump and get their rhythm, right? Like, like it's tough when you just got them like... We, just don't, have, really we don't have time for that. Like that. We don't have time for that. For me, from, honestly, we give him the minutes at the beginning of the third quarter. We yeah. give him the minutes at the beginning of the first. Uh, when he comes out, though, you he notice... He no touches, man. He, he don't get, they don't even throw... Like, I would like to see him just face up and take some shots. He's actually a good shooter from mid-range there. He's the fifth option on offense, though. But that's if you look fucked at up it. to me. Like, he, he, he has a lot of... His scoring percentage anywhere around the paint is, like, top in the NBA. And it's supposed to be about, right, non-paint twos... And threes, but right? The, the but you Rap- gotta go inside out for that. The Raptors are turning into a team though, where if it's Ibaka, Lowry, and, Ro- and DeRozan yeah. that play that are the primary scores, we're we're up there, and yeah. that means it's between OG and Anubi and Valanciunas, and it just happens to be that OG happens to be at the line a lot, and that's where no, DeRozan seems you know, to kick. OG it. gives him the ball. If you watch, right, the younger Raptor, it's Lowry and DeRozan don't trust him. Out of pick and pops and pick and rolls, it's like they they just don't feed him. He gets mismatches in the post. He has a point guard on him, and he'll put up his hand, and DeRozan will take a long two. I mean, are we, we going to go to JV a little bit later? I just want to. Well, let's, we're, we're, you know, Brandon. I know you're the boss here, but but I'm <laughs> I'm I'm really because I've been watching and I've been frustrated because I think he's more nimble. I think he's having he's like because the Raptors told him to bulk up when he first came to the league, so he did that. Yep. And now you can see he's starting to shed the weight. Yep. He locked down Darren Collison on the perimeter with his deep. His defense is much much better. He's not the defensive liability that he was. It's not great. Right? No, but it's to me, it's much, much better. Like, it, it, when, when the Raptors get beat often, it's more times than not the perimeter not containing than it is strictly JV's fault or whatever. He's a better rim protector than anybody besides Ibaka on the, on the court. The thing is, the game is just, he has to be able to come out and close the outside, the three-point shot a lot more. Yeah. But I'll tell you my biggest issue with JV, and this is what I've noticed now. I've watched him specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've done this. I you know, yeah, I got the, the bell you. vibe. I record the game. I'll rewind it and watch Deep a couple plays. analysis. And honestly, JV just doesn't have good hands. Yeah, he just it, always yeah. loses the ball. It's all, all those dish you, passes. And honestly, if I were DeRozan or Lowry... I don't think I would trust him either. Every single time they throw a pass to him off the pick and roll, in any situation, he either loses it or it takes him another extra dribble to catch it, and then he has to basically go up with it with a bad shot. He forces himself into almost... It's all bad hands, and no, that's the difference between him I and Pirtle. I don't think he has Pirtle bad hands. I They're think, bad. No, They're really I, bad. No, man. You watch other other bigs in the NBA that can't score, because JV's got a lot of finesse in his game for such a big guy, right? It's that he's slow. So the passes sometimes are these quick shuttle passes by Lowry or DeRozan. A lot of them aren't great passes. And Perto will might, might be able to get a hand on it, like last minute, you know, and finish. But look, if, if I can just for a second, the JV is, is, is important for this team, like you say, situationally, right? If you go completely small, we have a monster in our division that you were all about, right? You were the one that was on the Joel Embiid train. Absolutely. The Raptors have no chance competing with that team unless you put a body. 
And this is what I was on about with even when they play LeBron, you need someone physically in there that will deter right. so other you get, teams. You can from, see the Boston Celtics, for example, doing exactly what you're saying. Getting a big physical guy like, like Aaron Barry, Baines, Baines yeah. at $8 million a year, basically half of what Jonas is earning. I'm, my, but Baines I, is I, so I like, shit offensively. Listen, I, I, I don't hate Jonas. Eh. My issue with him is that he hasn't necessarily evolved when it comes to the evolution of the game. You look at guys like, you know, uh, you know, you were seeing like Robin Lopez and Marcus Saul during three-pointers. We're finding Andre would, Drummond completely changing his game to accommodate the modern speed Robin of the game. Robin Lopez? You know what I mean? Robin Lopez. Sorry, Brooke Lopez. Lopez. Brooke Lopez. My apologies. Robin Lopez is a caveman. Yo, yo, but Jonas, the same thing with Jonas Valanciunas. So the guy hasn't developed his skills set to accommodate the modern I agree. game. And that's no, the biggest issue with Jonas. He's a fantastic basketball player four years ago. But in order for no, him to be you, an actual contributing member to an organization, he needs to evolve. Do you, I don't really, see want, adapt, do you yeah. really want the biggest guy on your team out on the perimeter shooting a three? I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, that if if, if we're gonna if no. we're gonna make him His part of this team with based on that. how much money he's making right now, yeah. You know, I, I brought the Aaron Baines example and because Aaron Baines is a perfect fit for a team like the Raptors, a big, rugged, physical guy in the low post. Yellows Valanciunas maybe is physical, but he's limited when it comes to the defensive side of the game as well. And we're also talking about a guy who's earning X amount of money per season, also hindering our ability to put the right players around him. To exemplify a skill set. You yeah, know what I mean? look, no, I you're right. If and that's why, and maybe we can transition into this trade talk now. Well, well, well okay. So you know but, what? We'll we'll phase out from. Uh, we'll, we'll give because you the I'm floor frustrated right now. too, man. Because it's not something's not so, working in that starting unit, okay. and it's Ibaka and Valanciunas' pairing, which is frustrating because I thought like they would be they would match well together. So, so Greg, for you, uh, diehard Raptors fan, uh, who is more expendable at this point, hypothetically speaking, Serge Ibaka or Jonas Valanciunas? Who is more getting, integral I, to the identity of the organization? Given that we just signed Ibaka, and given that that he's you know he could hit a three, uh, he he would be where what we like a future scenario envisioning the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Without JV would be Ibaka at center, and then yeah, you would get some kind of big body that you could uh, utilize situationally against power centers. Right, because I was talking to Javon about this last week, and I know you are one of the biggest Marcus Lowe fans out there. Uh, myself, I'm I, a little bit even keel. No, Javon's like, not a big fan of him. I was talking about a hypothetical package. I can't remember all the moving Jovan, parts. Shout out to Jovan, by the way. But uh, <laughs> shout out to Jovan. Jonas Valanciunas, <laughs> part of a package for Marcus Saul. Obviously, yeah. draft picks would be included. And I like the concept of bringing Marcus Saul to the Toronto Raptors because you have a team that is emphasizing space in the floor so much and having not only a physical guy in low post, but such a, a, a transcendent playmaker out of a big would be such a big thing to have. Well, but I think a lot of the, the problems Raptors. you get. With JV, you would find with Gasol too, man. He's much older. He's he's slower afoot at this age. He's quicker. Like than Christian, JV. Christian. Let me ask you a question. Would I, you? How would, long is that going to be? I don't even know how much quicker he is, man. Would you he's consider? Better positionally. Uh, would you consider a package, Christian? Um, let's say Jonas Valanciunas, uh, Delon Wright, and a top twenty protected first for Marcus. Look, I thought about this a lot, and I, I think I came to the conclusion that I don't think Memphis wants anything that we have to offer. I don't think we're going to give up Siakam, Pirtle. OG. Well, it'd be like DeLon we can't Wright give up Norman Powell. Powell. We like can't a... give up Powell because of his contract. Right, right. I well, don't think anybody Mem- wants JV. Memphis offloading Marcus Saul, retaining Valanciunas sixty million dollars. We're going to have to put together a couple other. Yeah, but you know, why would they dollars? Want... I guess on the exactly. Side. And why exactly? What I'm trying to say is, I guess I don't think there's a package the Raptors can put together that would be better than something like I don't know, Amon Shumpert and and you know like 
uh, Tristan Thompson. Well, we'll get Cavs. into uh, we'll get in trade speculations a little bit later. Let's uh, let's move over toward the six the six biggest topics trending in the NBA right now from our perspective. The Diamond Pizza sponsor, not sponsored, sponsored by Diamond Pizza, sponsored by Diamond Pizza, specifically not sponsored by specifically Diamond their pizza. poutine. Their poutine. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing I could honestly recommend ordering from Diamond Pizza. Not to slander our sponsor, not sponsor. But, uh, yeah, the, the ribs seem kind of sketchy. We need a sponsor! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to I'm gonna switch it over to uh, one of the biggest trending stories this week. The injury to All-Star point guard Steph Curry. Steph sort of talked about his injury a couple days ago. Yeah, and then that went in a while, so sprain my ankle, see how it feels tomorrow, and kind of go from there. Um, obviously a sucking situation, but uh, I'll be back. So, last season, we saw a catastrophic injury hit the Golden State Warriors. Kevin Durant was gone for about 20 games. But nonetheless, the team stayed afloat, and they actually won 14 games in a row. You know, the same team intact. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, big man, another fifth guy in the fucking court. Um, Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, etc. Um, in this situation, though, they're losing... They're the guy, you know, and I know that, you know, Greg personally, you're not the biggest Steph Curry fan, but he's, he's the brat. kind of guy that drives a ship, if that makes sense. You know, without Curry, they don't really have a, a drive-in dish point guard as well. Um, oh, and yeah, and to put, put this into context, so Golden State scored 115.4 points per 100 possessions when Curry played without Durant last season and 108.7 with Durant as a lone alpha. The splits this season, 116 points per possession with, per 100 possessions of Curry, 107 with Durant. Do you think there's any cause for concern with Steph Curry losing? Do you think this team is going to, I wouldn't say hit rock bottom, but not be the same Golden State Warriors we're sort of grown accustomed to? Or is a team going to be the same old Warriors we've known for the last few seasons? Christian, I'm going to give it to you, buddy. So they're down, what, nine points per game, basically, then, with with Durant Mm -hmm. on the floor instead of Curry? I don't know. To me, well, first of all, I think in that clip he sounded so injured. Didn't he? He sounded like deflated oh, poor, already. Oh, oh my poor, ankle! It's gonna. Uh, poor we'll Steph. S- we'll see how it feels Throw your tomorrow. Mouth guard at someone. And I don't know. To, Steph is the. He is the sort of the engine of the team. Uh, the to me, captain of the ship. He he really <laughs> is. Like he's the guy that gets every single. You know, he gets the threes going. He gets the crowd going when they're there. And yeah. as mu- as good as Durant is, I mean, Steph Curry's been there the longest. He's the I hate face to of say the franchise. It. And yeah, and Kerr knows that he runs his offense based off Curry. I think more than anybody else. And for me, that's why they have to make more adjustments. Uh, Livingston's going to be filling see, in, I see, guess. My there, thing but with this, so like Sean Livingston, Andre Godala are vets. They've been in the league for. They're going to still and win. Obviously, their minutes are monitored. They can't play 30, 40 minutes mm-hmm. anymore. The guys, mm-hmm. both those guys, are over thirty. Uh, how do they adjust without sort of overtaxing these guys? It's, yeah, no, I think hey, you know what. You actually have a good point because if you're playing against, like, let's just say the Raptors are playing against Golden State, and you got someone like DeLon Wright. Okay, guarding the opposing team's point guard in Golden State. Now you could say, yo, DeLon, you can help. Go and help. Go and, and, and play passing lanes. Mm-hmm. Go and bother, right, Durant and whatever. Because you can't – that's the thing with the Warriors. Like, when everyone talks about oh, Steph Curry for MVP, really – you can't double team yeah, him. You can't. It's not fair. He can't be the MVP. But right? in this instance, I think in this instance, like if you lose Steph Curry's three point shooting, yeah, it matters. That's what I'm saying. It impacts exactly everyone else on the court. I, I, I attribute to like football, for example, offensive line. Like let's say your left tackle gets injured and you have to replace him with your right tackle, and you're moving everyone across the line in different positions, playing in situations they're really not familiar with. I see the same thing with the Golden State Warriors. And you're going to need a lot of a guy like Patrick McCaw because Sean Livingston, Andre Iguodala are fantastic 
fantastic basketball But you can players. leave them. But you put them on the court, though, it impacts their performance every single night yeah. without Steph because they don't have that outside shot well, anymore. They don't have yeah. that offensive threat anymore. Steph Curry is one of the players um, similar to a Shaquille O'Neal, okay, and wait for the, in that they change the gravity of the game. Like, like you can't leave... Steph Curry, he opens up space, right? When Shaq gets the ball, defenses collapse, mm-hmm. right? Like, they, they change the gravity that the game is played with. Without Steph, that changes. Right. The spacing in will will get shrunk to some degree. Um, and, yeah, I, I really hope the Warriors lose. I doubt they will, but I really hope they lose. So, Greg, who do you I'm think— tired of—they're so boring to watch on League Pass. Who would you say is more integral to, for the success of the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry or Kevin Durant? Long term for championships for this season, Kevin winning a Durant. championship. You think Kevin Durant? So yeah, I, I, I mean, people say they could win without Kevin Durant. Maybe if you replace him with other pieces. I think the reason that they really dominated Cleveland was because LeBron had to guard Durant and he got tired. Right. Right. Otherwise, they have no like really answer for LeBron in that sense. I think Durant is the, was the key to that last championship. All right, guys, moving on. So uh, we're talking about the Golden State Warriors. We're also talking about the last couple games with the Warriors. Sean Livingston had a little bit of a verbal spat with a referee. They went head-to-head in some sort of shouting match. Uh, I believe it was last night, Kevin Durant, I think it was his third ejection this season. in 18 games. um, Had a very big, I guess, verbal spat with Boogie DeMarcus Cousins, where both guys were dismissed from the game. Um, I guess afterwards, there was a little bit of a rumor that DeMarcus Cousins was going after Kevin Durant in some capacity. But anyways... (laughs) Um, there's I wouldn't be surprised. Obvious, there's an obvious rise of technical fouls in the NBA. I know there are a few things you wanted to touch base on uh, about that. Grafton, what do you got to say about the rise of technical fouls in the NBA? No, I mean, t- technical fouls are one of the things that, not just technical fouls, I'm specifically fouls more ejections. ejections. And it's how it's happened to a lot of the star players this year. And like, like we just talked about, Durant had, now he's had three ejections in 18 games. He apologized after the game. I think we all saw the Sean Livingston one as well. LeBron. Um, LeBron. Uh, we saw Lowry. It seems to get a little bit, I don't know, to me I see a little bit ridiculous. I think they're they're trying to really police the game a little bit too much. And I guess the NBA fought back a little bit when yeah. Sean Livingston... Yeah. Uh, who who knows who really headbutted who in that one? No, to me, it was can, almost uh, it was almost fifty fifty. Yo, I guess the, the ref re- like Livingston came behind him and was like yelling in his ear, and the ref turned and said, "Don't do that," because lately the players have been really on them, right, getting in their face, and the ref kind of put his head down like this, like a rhino, right? Like he had mm-hmm. a horn on his forehead, and yep. he kind of just drilled it in. <laughs> And he got a full week for it, so technically got more game suspension than than uh, Sean Livingston did because he only got <laughs> yeah. a one game. But I guess whose side are you on here? Do you like to see? To me, I hate seeing the refs try to take over a game and kick out stars. We're here to see the stars play. Uh, are you guys on the ref side here, where they should be trying to control? Are the stars out of control here, or is it just the refs trying to be well, but, too and, macho? And that's the thing, though. Right? You have to think. Uh, personally, I can't stand the amount of whining and. Look, what, when I'm coaching, right, whether it's club or, or, the, or the high school teams, even uh, when I watch the high school basketball, the refs don't take as much shit as they do in the NBA. The refs are, are constantly being berated and like, having to, to justify everything that they do. And like the, the coaches are trying to get in their heads for the next call. It's constant. That being said, um, there has, of course, I've noticed it too. And... Because they're trying to draw a line. Like, you know, you're trying to ref a game and and a star is coming by and saying, you know, fuck you, motherfucker. Like, at what point, 
right? Like, like there's some magic words, and I think that they've really locked down on those with the star players. I think they made it. You're right. They've made some kind of like they've, they've met up and they said, you know, we're gonna we're really gonna lock down to 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 you know we have to draw a line in the sand somewhere. But I mean, it might it's it's affecting games. You mentioned the Lowry ejection. They didn't have John Wall that night. That we was had ridiculous. An, we had a very easy yeah. opportunity there to take over and win that game, and then instead we lose our star point guard and we yeah. ended up losing. That was something a, a little. It's related, but in that game, it was that young ref. And that was ridiculous because, it, you know, it was something more impact. He said that But it's happening bullshit. everywhere, though. It's happening to all the so, stars. It's happening. Yeah. Durant's happened three no, times. No, but, and- but when LeBron, like, I'm watching them. When you're, like, a six-foot-eight monster and, like, you're six running. Seven. Yeah, like, like running at, at this guy at five, six and, like, screaming and, like, you know what I mean? Like, you, the stars of the league need to carry themselves in such a way, right? Like LeBron and Durant, oh, you're whining about your calls. When I watch them play, they get every damn call against us. See, like, the only thing I take away from this that I view as, like, maybe a positive is, like, the Golden State Warriors example. Like, the Golden State Warriors, like, beyond Draymond Green sort of, like, developed the identity, I wouldn't say a soft team, but not a very, like, verbally bombastic organization. <laughs> and, like, you know, like, Sean Livingston and, like, Kevin Durant being pissed off on the court and kind of showing the whole entire NBA that, like, we're not going to be fucking pushed around. Like, we're not going to take your shit, regardless of from the ref or a player. But the Warriors it's, it's get nice all the see, calls man. anyways. What are they so upset about? <laughs> well, you know they legitimately mean, like, their players are too good. Everyone fouls them. They'd rather them go to the line. Wouldn't you rather have Draymond Green at the line than Steph Curry shooting yeah, the a three? Ref, the refs gotta even it out. All right? Look, it's not fair. The whole thing about these these ejections, though, it's is these players are getting, like you said, they're mad at the non-calls. That's yeah, what it really yeah, is. They're just yeah. sort of saying something, sometimes even on the way back to the line. You even saw DeMar DeRozan last night against Phoenix. He thought that he got a technical foul called on him when he just turned around and started walking away when he thought there was a foul called on him. And it ended up going the other way. And it's one of those things where players are now starting to realize that they can't say anything or do anything. And this is starting to hurt the game, I no, think. It's when they, it, no, it's, it's not necess- there's a few things you, you, you seem to not be able to say. And, th- and that's rightfully so. Like, you, you don't have free... Like, you, well, you have to respect the ref, right? But it's it's their body language, right? And that's the thing with Cousins, why he gets so many texts. He has this, like, demonstrative way about him where he's pouting like a big kid, right? And he's flailing his arms. And you, you can't punch towards the ref. Like, you can't punch air and swear towards the ref or else they view that as, like... But swearing towards the sky, and and that is now seemingly getting people text. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's so, it's you know, weird. I don't know. Maybe this will, you know, the players have seen the line now, and they'll know, or it's just there's going to be some kind of like actual confrontation. Like, <laughs> all right, guys, moving down the list. Um, I guess like the biggest topic or storyline before the season started. Uh, was the emergence of the super team. You know, like Golden State Warriors kind of made the uh, made the outline and teams like Oklahoma City Thunder, Minnesota Timberwolves, even the Boston Celtics felt like the only way they can keep up the Golden State Warriors is if they put superstar talent around their currently existing roster. Uh, one of that team was the Oklahoma City Thunder, who Greg and I made a bet with. I, Greg and I made a bet about starting this season. I thought the Denver Nuggets were be better. He thought OKC. Obviously, I'm right in the situation like I always am. Anyways, uh, thus far, OK City uh, currently eleven and twelve. Uh, right now, they're twenty seventh in the league in both field goal and three point percentage, and they're twenty fifth in the league in assist to turnover ratio. Greg, I know there are a few things you want to touch base on with the recent struggles of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, what's your gripe? Oh well, look, like 
I mean, I, I watched that team play, and one of the reasons why is because I'm looking for a, a team that will make the playoffs interesting. Because as of now, like, it's just, that's I can't watch Warriors games. It's not fun. It's not competitive. It's not fair. Right? Like, they, they're just smile. They're, they're head and shoulders so above good. their competition. They're just playing around out there. They can turn it on whenever. They were down by 20 the other day in uh, New Orleans. And, like, I changed the channel for a second. I come back. It's, like, three minutes into the third, and they're tied up or whatever it was. Like, they erase deficits like nothing. That was and, a great mm-hmm. bet. I, so the reason why, going back to AC, you know, I was, I was pumped is because here I thought are, it, is, is enough talent to beat the Warriors and to, or to compete, sorry, with the Warriors. Well, I'll tell you a, a question right now. Talent. I think the conversation yeah. we're having is even are yeah. they a playoff it's, contender? Right? No, no, no. They're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs. And okay, look, and and you you got to understand when you put these pieces together, it's gonna it was always going to take time. Mm-hmm. Okay, I thought it, it would it, it would gel a little bit quicker uh, because they have a all three of those players who have something to prove. Right and and I right and Westbrook hates the Warriors wants to beat Durant, you know Carmelo's trying to prove that he can still play in the NBA uh, at a star level and and be a contributing winner right mm-hmm. and 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 Paul George who's never really played on a contending team, right uh, and and again has something to prove I think. Look, their games if you've watched them they get up on teams they always come out they blow teams away at the start and then. They, teams inch back and inch back. They kind of let other. Te- they let a lot of teams back in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is still going to work. I, re- I I know a lot just because so many people have already counted them out. I think that they're too good not to make it work. I think that they're just figuring out. So what do you do? Is it trial by error? Do you keep the same sort of structure together? Look, or do you start thinking unconventionally outside the box? Like for me personally, I think the only way to sort of remedy the situation is to break up a starting five. You got to put Carmelo Anthony on the bench. You got to have him as immediate offense off the bench because clearly Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and Russell Westbrook are not working together. What do you think, Raul? Look, I don't th- no, I don't think that that necessarily is the answer. First, you're going to piss off Carmelo. Yeah. You're going to make him upset. Ego's a real thing that you have to manage. Yeah, that's right? why he yeah, came there. Yeah, but the biggest issue this, with Oklahoma City of the season has been secondary scoring. They've been getting nothing off their bench. They've completely emptied the cupboard with the trades for Anthony and Paul George, respectively, and now they have next to no options on their second unit. I think having the ability to put a guy like Carmelo Anthony on the second unit, put a guy like maybe Patrick Patterson as a four, obviously it's not going to be a... a, a, a but like just having the ability to have a guy who can drop 20 points on any given night off the bench for Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder, especially with mismatches, especially with the Western Conference, about how sort of barren the landscape is for deep benches. I think the concept of bringing Carmelo Anthony off the bench and just really illuminating the mismatches in secondary is a very important thing, OKC. See, for me, first first of all, OKC has those three players and they rotate them already that they get those mismatches. Yeah, exactly. They keep Westbrook on, they keep Paul George on, there always is a star on the floor for them. But also, the main thing is, I don't think that's their biggest problem. For me, the biggest problem is that they're all just trying to be too pass happy, the three stars right now. They're all trying to make each other, uh, you know, a little bit better than than they actually are. They're trying to placate, they're trying to placate each other. Exactly. They're trying to make sure everyone's getting their share, getting their shots. And honestly, for and me, the, process, the, right? the whole solution to this is that it's Russell Westbrook's team. It mm. always has been. Mm. When you see him take over a game, look at, I think it was last night, last or two night, nights ago, yeah. the triple-double with 30 points and 15 yeah, or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those are the, that's what they need to do. They have to have, uh, I guess, Paul George and Carmelo realize when they're not having good nights 
Westbrook's always going to be Westbrook. He's yeah. proved that last year when he averaged a triple double. Yeah. And they have to play off each other. Let Westbrook do his thing, and then whoever's having the better night sort of go. Yeah. But they, and that's what I mean. That, I think, that's, I think, I think it's to problem sort for out me. that hierarchy, that pecking order, that 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 way that they go about things. That mm-hmm. I think now, hopefully, is starting to come into fruition. I would think. I think Paul George is by far playing the best on that team right now. I think he's playing defense of the year oh, caliber yeah. defense this season. I think he, like he's shooting the lights out. He's shooting forty percent from the three. Um, you know he's averaging twenty point seven per game. That's not enough. Per I game. Like that's Obviously, not enough points, Brandon. Yeah, he needs how do you to be split? averaging twenty five points? Right, right. Well, like how do you average twenty five points per game when Russell Westbrook's your point guard? Playing off him. I, well, look. I mean, How's that? well, you saw we saw what Victor Oladipo is doing for the Pacers this year. And hey, and hey, what did he do me, last let, year and, playing and Russell let me, Westbrook? While you bring that up, let me just say that Brandon Kazioka, right. Last year, you can find it on this podcast, right? Was long saying that Victor Oladipo is better than he played on OKC, and well, he, and 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 you a hundred percent right. He has shown it. Well, brings to the question: that Can you win a championship with Russell Westbrook on your team? I I look. I I think the answer is still yes. I think a lot of people count him out, but for the negatives that he has, he has that super positive, that super competitive spirit. Like this guy, he's he'd been to the NBA Finals. Before he's been on winning teams his his whole life, right? It's not that he's not a winner per se. I think that you got to get the right fit around him, and he has to adapt too. He makes he makes bad decisions sometimes, and I think that 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 he needs stars around him. Though when you get stars around him, they can hold him accountable. Sorry, sorry, and I know. No, you I was gonna say it's it's not it's not Westbrook. We've said Westbrook's good. It's not Paul George. We've said they're it's it's Anthony. It, it's Melo. He's the one that I think you can't win a championship based on. Yeah, yeah. Russell Westbrook, I think you can. Because at least he plays, he's playing intensely in defense. But you know what, guys? There are two things here I want to touch on with the OKC. What do you, is, when does the coach take responsibility for this? Donovan, pride of Florida, baby. Because because if Phil Jackson was in there, man, he would have managed those (laughs) Eagles nights, bringing Phil. We know what Kevin Durant thinks of uh, (laughs) Billy Donovan. You're right, though. You're right. That's a perfect coach, a guy who can really deal with the massive egos in the locker room. Does Donovan have the pedigree to do it? You know who would be a great coach for OKC Thunder? The recently dismissed David Fizdale. Did I get that name right? Fizdale, yeah. Yeah, David Fizdale. There we go. Like the yeah. fiery, pissed off coach who always holds his players accountable. Um, yes, it, clearly something needs to change with the with the dynamic of that organization. I think or you, they you, might be looking it, uh, look I think on the outside when come playoff time. You give it a, f- a little bit longer, right? Now they're you know they, they've won uh, I think two three in a row now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're creeping around. You know they're just one game out of out of the playoffs, right? The West is extremely. Like top heavy, and uh, there, you know Portland is in fourth. There's a really good. Uh, there's a question I want actually want to ask Christian. So you're talking about um, you know Carmelo Anthony obviously struggling, not really acclimating to the starting unit, and you're also talking about not bringing him off the bench. How do you remedy the situation? Do you think Carmelo should be playing the four? Should they put Paul George at the two, put Carmelo back his natural position at three, and bring off a four off the bench? What's the best starting five rotation the Oklahoma City Thunder can put out every single night in order to win? Um, well, for me, I, I do like, I don't think that Carmelo Anthony should come off the bench. I think, again, like I was saying before, which kind of ruined everything about his ego. The, the whole reason he left New York was for that. But I guess I would have still Paul George at the three. Um, Andre Robertson's been sort of the guy they've been leaning on, I guess, as the two because of his defense. The guy cannot, shoot. he cannot shoot. It's four and five on offense. He can't shoot four for the field life goals of them. attempted per game this season, Only in over four. 25 minutes per game. I, I think that's.
25 minutes, four field goal attempts. I do think they're underutilizing Patrick Patterson a little bit. Like, we... we, we well, he's, uh, man. He's been struggling. Who else, who else are you going to look at their graphing, bench? It's Raymond graphing, Felton. It's Jeremy Grant. so far, 30.5 minutes are per game. Dude, that? he's averaging 33% from the field. Are you surprised season. at that, though? That's his bread and butter shooting, and he's not getting the... Hey, no, you know he's averaging 13 minutes a game. You know who they've been utilizing more, and it's been working? Steven fucking Adams. Well, he's there. He's locked in because of by default anyways. They don't no, have but, but a fifth he, guy. No, but, but I mean, his finishing around the basket. Oh, he's and been like, playing like, great. Right, no, like they need to, rather than like, okay, how do we get mellow more shots? Or They got to get their other guys involved more, right? The right Shaq says the other guys, right? I think for Steve, they need to get that fourth guy that, that that's going to create a little bit of an outlet. All right, guys, we're talking about a team that has been struggling this season, not really matching expectations. Let's talk about a team that has been blowing away expectations, especially based on the early season impression of the organization. We're talking about the LeBron James-led Cleveland Cavaliers, currently on a 12-game winning streak, seeing second place in the Eastern Conference at 17-7. And, and LeBron thinks maybe it's a, an, a video game-related uh a relationship to the recent resurgence of the organization. We'll listen to this clip very quickly. Yeah, yeah, because I play a lot of 2K. Seriously, I've said this before. I play a lot of NBA 2K, and it's the most realistic game, that, basketball game that, that you could ever play. And uh, I, I mix and match a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, lineup changes and things of that nature to see how we can be uh, really good. So um, I've done that. That's pretty good. All right, Christian, so... Just to clarify, that was a, a clip about what he does to tinker with the lineups, Right, basically. so he's basically saying that NBA 2K is the best way, best way to synthesize an actual NBA season, and based on his current tinkering with the Cleveland Cavaliers roster on NBA 2K, he thinks the team is a little bit better than people perceive it to be? Well, I think the main thing is that Cleveland hasn't figured their lineup out, their most ideal lineup out yet. Mm-hmm. And when Isaiah Thomas comes back, it's just going to complicate things even more, Well, the big so thing speak. people are talking about with the eventual return of Isaiah Thomas is that he's still a defensive liability, and that's still the most glaring weakness for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, um, but still, but this is a guy who was in the MVP conversation right, exactly, last exactly. year. Like, he's so, going to have... Right. So, what 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 tangibles does he bring to the table to help improve the, the the winning ways of the Cleveland Cavaliers? Well, for me, Cleveland always. I mean, they they seem to always. They never really blow teams out. It happens rarely, I guess. Uh, they seem to always be in games. I think even right now they're in a close game with, with Sacramento. And it, it's common for me. I've seen this happen now a lot or a lot of times with, with Cleveland. And Kevin Love is one of those players who has been up and down this season. I think. It's been really reliant since Kyrie Irving left of Kevin Love's sort of uh, ability to score. And because of that, they're relying on people like J.R. Smith and, and, and Jay Crowder and even uh, Dwayne Wade, who, who honestly at this point of his career, is he's great, but he shouldn't be someone you're leaning on for scoring. And that's one of the problems the Cavs are having. is, And that's what I think he's alluding to is they have to find out this ideal lineup before they go into the playoffs. And it has to involve Isaiah Thomas. And I guess the way he, he seems to do it is by tinkering with a lineup on NBA 2K. I can't fucking stand this like just this, this, this hatred toward Kevin Love. It makes absolutely no sense to me. The guy has been asked to play a position he has never played growing up. Kevin Love 
is not a rim-rocking, low-post interior no. presence. That's not his game whatsoever. And, like, he's trying his very best to kind of develop his skill set to accommodate what that team wants out of him. It just infuriates me that every single time Cleveland is struggling, he's the first guy that people point their finger to. Conversely, on the flip side, whenever they're doing well, it's always LeBron James getting the praise. Of course. And I think Kevin Love has played some fantastic basketball recently, especially in playing spurts. position. In spurts within the sense that he's playing out of position, and if you put any guy in that position who you know, previously was playing maybe like a four, sort of like wing-ish type of player, um, primary ball handler, they wouldn't be doing as well as Kevin Love's doing. I think he deserves a round of applause for basically adjusting as a player. Not too many people can do that, especially from superstars. Score, from right? a scoring four yeah. to a As seven. a guy who was averaging 25 and 14 for Minnesota to going down to, what, averaging 18 and 9, being part of a system. Look, I agree with I, that. I respect for the guy. I agree with you, and I think one of the changes, and I don't know, let me know your thoughts on this, is we got to get, or they have to get, Channing Fry a little bit more minutes out there. He, he's played well when he's when he's been out there. He could play the five. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stretches the four and it allows Kevin Love to go back. Sorry, well, he plays the five and allows Kevin to go back to the four. One of their best lineups is Corver, when Corver, Fry, and Wade are out there together, man. They freaking yep. kill it. Well, it's a t- like problem with teams like this where they're so close to the salary cap, they have to use unconventional thinking um, when it comes to assembling the roster. And, you know, Channing Fry maybe isn't the sexiest name out there in the NBA. In all actuality, if he was on other teams, he may not be as a big, prominent member of the rotation. But you're right. They need to get guys like that, Channing Fry, to get going. You know, I like same thing with Kyle Korver, guys who fill out the roster. Well, Kyle Korver's been playing well, I think. Who? Kyle Korver's been playing actually fairly well. And again, look, at they're on a 12-game winning streak. Like, they're obviously doing things right right now. They're, 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 that's how good the team is. And this is why I think the media really likes them in America, is because they're still figuring things out, yet they're also winning. Mm-hmm. And same with Boston. Mm-hmm. Boston and Cleveland are one of those teams that it's they... It's story. Exactly. It's the story. They, Boston, obviously, the story of, of losing a superstar. But Cleveland, you know, the huge trade, losing Kyrie, who's now having a... a we're going to debate this later on, an MVP-type season yeah. in Boston and not even having Isaiah Thomas back. Like, I mean, it makes that's, for good drama. Exactly. It, it's a feel-good type of story. But I, again, to tinker with their lineup, I don't think Kevin Love should be playing with the five. Um, I think he should be playing the four. You get Channing Fry out there, mix up the minutes, and just leave LeBron out there for 40 minutes a game and you'll win it all. Well, let's bring it back <laughs> to our fifth discussion point of the six. Um, what about bringing a guy like DeAndre Jordan? You know, DeAndre Jordan obviously is the biggest name of the trade block with Marcus Gasol as well. Uh, the LA Clippers sitting at a dismal 8-14. and 14, I think pretty high expectations coming in the season as a playoff contender. Uh, now they're sitting at, what, 10th in the Western Conference. That obviously, cursed, man. They're cursed. You know, you got Patrick Beverly injured. You're also talking Bolinari. Blake Griffin injured right now for a couple months. DeAndre Jordan, realistically the only guy from the, the, the Clippers lob city a couple years ago. And he um, can't shoot. And he, That's he, all they got. He, he can't can, shoot. He can shoot, but he does bring rim-protecting tangibles to the page, to the table. Greg, Dunk. I know you want to talk about DeAndre Jordan briefly. What is his best landing spot? Who's the best potential trade partner? The biggest rumor going on right now is the Milwaukee Bucks. How would he fit on a team like Milwaukee? And is there another organization out there that you think logistically would make more sense to bring in a guy like DeAndre Jordan? There's Well, there's a few teams, right? Like you mentioned, there's Milwaukee. Uh, Washington has also been rumored. Obviously, there's some salary cap issues there. Mm-hmm. And the Cleveland Cavaliers. All, all, and uh, actually, also the Toronto Raptors, but that uh, that the Raptors are more apparently linked to Gasol than Jordan. Uh, 
Look, I mean, and I, I would actually also throw the Spurs as a dark horse in all this. I, I, I could see them well, wanting to make an upgrade. Let's throw a few hypothetical trade scenarios brought to you by CBS Sports, who utilize the trade machine to facilitate a couple potential trades. So the first one I'll talk to you, Greg, about is him going to the Milwaukee Bucks for a package of Milos Televokovic. I'm butchering his fucking name. uh Televote, Teletovic, Teletovic. There we go. Malcolm Brogdon, Telenovic, Telenovic. Yeah, go. okay. Right. My uh, my European, Eastern European pronunciation name is absolutely brutal. So that guy <laughs> plus the new ex- newly expendable Malcolm Brogdon because of the acquisition of Eric Bledsoe, as well as John Hansen, who has become sort of an expendable asset with a resurgence Jeez, of man. Thon Maker. So Hansen. your European wing boy, and Brogdon for DeAndre Jordan. Who says no in that situation? Mm. Uh, do you uh, think do you they think want Middleton? I think they, they, they want Middleton in that trade. I would never do that. And any, any if you're in Milwaukee, I know. I I think the issue is that is that the Clippers aren't going to give him away for nothing at this point. They're mm-hmm. they're, they're not. I, I think if they trade him, they wouldn't necessarily be trading for a rebuild. They would tr- they they would explore trades to see well, the way what they that, can get because they I, I think he limits that like uh, the positives that that he brings and he would be an upgrade for a team like Milwaukee because mm-hmm. they already have just a defense first center in Hansen like he he plays a similar role as Jordan Jordan just does it better okay so we'll move down to the Washington Wizards like you mentioned before so what about a potential trade package of Marcin Gortat and Kelly Oubre Jr. for DeAndre Jordan who says no to that trade Christian Graffin well, Kelly Oubre Jr. stepped up this year a ton, I find. He, do, you, do you think he's expendable, though, with the long-term contract Otto Porter Jr. signed this season? They have no bench then. None. Yeah, and again, like financially, you have to look at the finances. It, it doesn't really work. with, mm-hmm. with Washington's way too constricted that unless you include Marquise Morris as well right. as Marcin Gortat in that deal, there's really no way you're going to be able to get it well, done. Well, it's based on the trade machine. This is actual contracts that fit in to facilitate the trade. The last one I'll talk about, and this one makes more sense to me, is a team we just talked about, the Cleveland Cavaliers, offering up Tristan Thompson and Iman Schumpert, Schumpert for DeAndre Jordan. I think this is possibly the best fit for DeAndre, considering what Cleveland needs right now. A big physical center who can play 30 minutes a game. Tristan Thompson is kind of expendable, kind of coming off the bench this season as well. And throwing in Amon Schumper as well. So Schumpert, Thompson for DeAndre Jordan. Do the, but, but the Clippers, why do they want that? Uh, you're basically getting like well, a well, less... Let, let's go back to that then. You say, why do they want that? Let's let, let, What separates Tristan Thomason from DeAndre Jordan from your perspective? At the shot blocking, athleticism, size. Okay, so those those tangibles you they're, just they're stated, sim- how does that impact the current play of the Cleveland Cavaliers? Do you think that's going to push them upgrade. over the hump? Do you it, think they would make, would make them into it? It would give them... Because the, the biggest issue with the Cleveland Cavaliers has been defensive basketball. You know, bringing a guy like a very like... Strong presence in yeah. the low post. I just think the Clippers would, would want more. They'd want that pick. They'd want that pick. They'd say we don't want. Wow, you always say Iman Schumper. How you say it? I'm like French they, or something. Yeah, they. <laughs> they, they do not Buna. want. I don't know why they would want him. Uh, Thompson is very limited. Uh, they would want more. It's a contract. No, but they. No, well, but you only have two years left. The Clippers. Contract, why right? does that? You have to get something in return, and that's not enough in, in like, return. Like, I'm trying to think of a team that would really want DeAndre Jordan. You think Dallas Mavericks are still really pining to have DeAndre p- as part of their organization? Like, maybe flip Trade him, him for, for like, Nerlens Noel and, like, a draft pick or a, I would like, or where a do, prospect. Why don't the Raptors make a run at, at Noel? 
What would we have to give up to get Noel? Would you trade Noel? JV for Noel? I mean, but he has an, an expiring contract. No, I wouldn't make that trade. I'd probably make that trade. Oh, I'm tickling your fancy there. Well, it frees up some caps. What is what is he making? Honestly, we nothing. Got the, He's still in this rookie uh, contract. They, Tony uh, the Sack guy. The Mavericks didn't. Uh, he, they gave him an offer. He rejected the offer. Is it okay? Was, then you got to come back. I think back it was four years, sixty-four million. And now Carlisle's glued him to, to the to the bench because they they don't like his work. Because he's ethic. such a liability offensively. He hasn't really developed any sort of jumper or offensive game whatsoever. He's still a really long, lanky rim protector. Because they're tanking and they want to really give well. Nowitzki a farewell season. Put it this way: if we could save ourselves eleven million dollars in cap, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, but we'd get worse though. I'm telling you, like we would need, we? Yeah, no, no, not necessarily. If how big is Noel? We just we need someone Six that can 11. deal with with traditional centers because right now Ibaka can't do that in Pirtle. You think I, Noel can? The guy's like fucking six foot eleven, one hundred and ninety pounds. No, the guy I, I is. Thought he, was, I thought he, he was a little bigger. He is skinny. He's a skinny, skinny, skinny guy. Well, he's I, been I, in the I, league I, for what four years now. Because well. you know Ibaka is a rebound, eh? Meat on his bones. Hey, Grafton, Ibaka, he don't rebound. That's an important quality to have. Defensively, but not offensively. And I mean, we, we touched on this earlier. That's why I like him and Pirtle together. Because yeah, then you, yeah. you get that mix. And then, like you said, uh, Siakam and it would make up for a little bit of Valanciunas' slow feet. Yeah. So, Yo, I would like to see them pair JV and Siakam and, yeah. and bring a Baca off the bench. But I don't think any of these trades are happening for the Raptors. Like, DeAndre Jordan is not going to be able to. No. Like, what, the Raptors. Would you rather have Gasol or DeAndre Jordan? Put it that way. Oh, it's that okay. Look, I think Gasol fits better in our it, Gasol one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Older though. Exactly. He's older. Jordan's, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does. We're, you have to no. Think when it comes to the, the, the structure you have of the to think long term. yeah, we're talking about the immediate structure of the Raptors. Our window to win. I gotta say, Marcus. Yeah. So that's that's like if if. But does he put us over that hump? And what of the only difference in that trade I, was Gasol getting or Gasol plus a first rounder? Next year or two years from now, sorry, because we don't have next round first pick. Would you st- would you rather have that trade, Gasol, if we had let one less first round pick? I yeah, would. I, I would DeAndre? trade Jonas Valanciunas, Norman Powell, and a top fi- protect top fifteen protected first round pick next year's draft for Marcus. I would make that. They trade. want apparent. Apparent rumors is that they'd want OG. I'm not parting with. Quite quickly say, I called it on this podcast that when I first time I saw him play, I said OG will be starting at the three before this year is done. Right? And we all kind of laughed. Ah, oh, maybe before the last. He is so good. He is the next Kawhi Leonard. I okay, heard it here first. Running down to the <laughs> last here first. segment of the six, last segment of the podcast, uh, we're going to briefly discuss the quarterly, I guess, uh, awards. The guys who we think the quarter should. awards. The quarter awards. There we go. We'll throw, say, uh, say that. So we'll start it off with the obvious one, the MVP. I'm going to say my personal take, and you guys can argue against me. Um, there's three names that come to mind. I, I love Giannis, but he doesn't come to, down to my top three. I got Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and my MVP this season is LeBron James. Am I wrong? No, you're, the MVP every season is LeBron James. But th- this one it, in particular, he's putting up his best statistical season. Yeah, and he's leading a team right now that's basically the same as last year without Kyrie Irving. Yeah. They're second in the conference. They're doing better than they were last year, uh, of course. And he's teaching, you know, I don't know. LeBron, for me, is always the MVP. I hate so to say Statistically, James Harden is, is having an MVP caliber season. Um, the difference being LeBron is LeBron, and it might come down to respect, and it's like... Especially at his age. You know, especially exactly. how many playoffs he's been in, what, seven playoffs in a row, like seven finals Harden, in a row? It's like Harden That's two additional seasons with playoff seasons, right? Harden's the only one, I think, that you can actually argue is there with him. 
Because if you look at anything like uh, any sort of stat, like if you look at TPA, for instance, right now Harden and LeBron James are totally isolated on an island. And LeBron basically is a little bit better on defensive points saved, and Harden's a little bit better on offensive points added. I like That's Kyrie, really the though, only man. difference. I like Kyrie a lot. And you talk about a catastrophic injury to Gordon Hayward and Kyrie just being able to develop both sides of the ball. Technically, Damian Lillard's having a better statistical season than Yeah, but look at Ky- the Boston than, Celtics than performance. Kyrie. Talk about a team, you know, yeah, best player on the best team. Th- Rookies essentially. Yo, if and Boston still, continues, well, doing then it's what they're doing, You have to. No, if if, if Boston continues doing doing what they're doing, like and and they have the best record in the league, and Irving is like the standout on that team and like the only star quality player on that team, he's a he's a really really good candidate. Well, well, but how do you not give it to LeBron this year, especially because all the injuries. Right, Derrick Rose going down, Isaiah Thomas going down, like all these problems. I and think Derrick Rose injury was a benefit to the organization, if anything. But <laughs> Look, last <laughs> year, last year Russell Westbrook winning the and MVP. What did I say when the season started about fucking Derrick Rose? Sorry, <laughs> I was gonna say last year when Russell Westbrook won the MVP. I think it kind of took away the notion a little bit more that you have to be on the best team in order to get the MVP. No, but it's still, it's still like that's a good point. It still goes though towards the deciding process. Right. Absolutely, but I mean, last year even it was between Westbrook, it was was Le- and LeBron and, and Harden. And Harden. And Giannis isn't like a realistic contender for the MVP because Milwaukee no. Bucks. But if you have one team exactly. though that's the blowing everyone Gundy away, policy of MVP voting. Come on, if you have one team that's blowing everyone away, <laughs> mm-hmm. like they're far ahead in the rank, and they have this one clear star player that's like carrying the team or whatever, like you have to give that player at least a look. So that's LeBron. <laughs> it, but no, right now it would be Boston with their record. I think it would be top falter. four in your respective division yeah. in order to deserve to be considered the MVP of well, any given season. Unless you have like uh, Russell Westbrook. Type I think it's gonna be Kyle Lowry if he keeps this play up. <laughs> All right, moving down the list, uh, rookie of the year. I don't think we need to debate this. Jason Tatum's been playing some fantastic basketball for the Boston Celtics. Kyle Kuzma has come out of nowhere to lead the Los Angeles Lakers in scoring. But there's only one guy when it comes to the rookie of the year race, and that's fucking Ben. OG and Anubi- Sim- Oh, no, uh, sorry, uh, Ben Simmons. <laughs> hey. OG, it, oh, let me just say. Hey, are rank, you are you about to debate Ben Simmons? Hey, I, I, I might do this. No, I'm not. Okay, let me right. finish. He's he just is say. the least. He OG is I the best kept secret right now in the NBA. He really is. He's the best kept secret. This guy is starting on a. It's similar to Tatum, right? He's starting on a soon-to-be 50-win team as a rookie. Mm-hmm. He gets the top assignment right every night. He gets the hardest. So I I just think that he deserves. He's in that, maybe not the conversation to win it, but if you were to make a list of rookies, he's right up there. He's top seven. Top six, I'd say. I'd say top three or four. All right, going down to the most improved. Donovan Mitchell right now, with his 41-point performance last night, is starting to creep up on Ben Simmons. Not just in terms of like his noticeability in the league, but around other Ask other NBA players right now. Look at the interviews. Simmons is the Sixers. Even DeRozan and Lowry said after they played Utah that the one person that's impressed them the most, you saw them even after the game. They shook Donovan Mitchell's hand. They, They were speaking in his ear. He's the guy that I think is the new Devin Booker. That a lot of good that a lot of good superstars are yeah. starting to think he's going to be the next one. I think one. he has substantially bigger upside than Devin Booker. I think Donovan Mitchell is. A They're roughly the same player. I think Mitchell's a more athletic, dynamic defender than Devin Booker will ever be. All right, moving down the list, most improved player of the year. Um, many people would give it to Kristaps Porzingis. He's emerging as a top 
10, maybe top 5 player in the NBA, the Lativian gangbanger himself, the New York Knicks. Aaron Gordon's name's been mentioned, you know, leading the resurging Orlando Magic um, and developing a really nice three-point stroke. Um, but the guy for me is Jalen Brown for the Boston Celtics. I know this is a Homer podcast, and we no, absolutely right. fucking Brown. detest the Boston Celtics, but Jalen Brown sort of stepping in and filling the shoes that Gordon Hayward left when he uh, went down with a knee injury in his first game. You know, not only providing defense, which we knew he'd provide uh, this early in his career, but developing into a competent offensive weapon, a second, third yeah. option on the f- best team in the Eastern Conference. It's really difficult for me to say that it's not Jalen Brown this season. He's he uh I underestimated how good he was. I did as well. He's really good. I love I but you know what? I started to see it in the Eastern Conference Finals when the Celtics got destroyed by the Cavs last year and he was modeling up with LeBron. He took the challenge of guarding him and he was bothering him. Mm-hmm. I started to see it then, but what he's done this season, yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I could see that most improved. Give it to Giannis one more time. <laughs> Why not? Make, yeah, it, right? make it the well, Giannis and the Cooper Award. Every single year for the rest of his career. Yeah, give it to him again. I mean, he's improved once again. Uh, we talk about him. If, if he's legitimately in the top three, in the, if he actually makes the finalist for the MVP conversation, you got to give the most improved to Giannis for yeah. me. All right, going down to the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, the guys who were up there were both from the Celtics as well. It was Marcus Smart and Al Horford, who I think have both been playing fantastic defense. I think the Boston Celtics' recent success is attributed to their defensive play. But for me this season, it's the man himself. And you could even give him MVP conversation. It's Joel Embiid for me. Jo- Joel Embiid wow. is one of the most dynamic rim protectors I've ever seen in the NBA. His ability to run the court, play both sides of the ball, be a great offensive rebounding option, and monster. just dominate the low post on guys that we've, de- like, you know, like even like DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, the best of the best out there. Joel Embiid always looks the best every single night, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He's a man playing with boys. I can't give it to anyone else. Do you guys think of a better name? Or a more deserving player for the MVP uh, or defensive player of the year. If would. this, if I think if the uh, Sixers finish with a good record uh, and they squeak into the playoffs at this point, you know they're right in it. I don't think they'll end up making it, but they're right in it. I think then you can give it to them. I think otherwise, like how do you not give it to a guy that's like, like, like you say, Al Horford, who maybe doesn't have like the big blocks and stuff, but you watch positional, positional intelligence, communication, or or even Draymond Green, the guys that are anchoring like the big well, time defense. We got injured Rudy Gobert. We have an injured Kawhi Leonard. You know, we're gonna have a new defensive player of the year this year, most likely. I think Joel Embiid's most likely guy to. But again, he he's gonna have. This comes into it. The voters, he's gonna have other years. Mm-hmm. So it may be just wait your wait wait your turn, young man, kind of thing. Right, be- because if he stays healthy, again he's Look, a monster. The one person that I was going to say that hasn't really been mentioned too much is Andre Drummond. He's having one of the best statistically defensive years. Really, he's a, is he? Yeah, he's a beast on the boards. Obviously, we know that. But is that a, and that's not a he's great? Like and he's great at blocks. I mean, he's locking the floor down. He's changed his game a little bit. I mean, I mean I that's why like the he, Pistons arguably are doing you're so right, well. You're right. You're absolutely right. My issue with Drummond is that he's been in the league for how long? He was drafted the same year as Terrence Ross and. He still doesn't really have like good defensive basketball IQ. He really misses assignments. He really misses on switches quite a bit. I mean, um, t- he's getting a lot better. Keep in, keep that in mind. Like I'm not saying he's getting worse. Statistically, he's, he's about at around 80 points. Statistically, I'm judging by the eye test, though. Just seeing him on the court yeah. and just seeing how he gets lost. But Mr. Advanced Stats, statistically, he's going 80 I'm uh, not defensive. Mr. That's stats. your new nickname. I brought in Advanced Stats, the podcast. 80 defensive point like saves per game. That hey, That's pretty good. Qual- the closest player to him is at 60. A little qualitative. It's all. 
there we go. There you go. All right, so sixth man of the year. For me, it comes down to two guys. It's Lou Williams on the L.A. Clippers. But my sixth man of the year is the, uh, is Tyreek Evans, man. Tyreek Evans has been, yes. been, been around the block quite a while. Um, a he guy that you know, improved too, eh? Well, he, he had like, what, 18, yep. 19 points per game in his rookie season and kind of fell out of favor in Sacramento. He was playing for New Orleans on a big contract when they signed all those guards. I think Drew Holiday was part of that. I think Eric Gordon was on the team mm-hmm. as well. Couldn't really find his niche with the team. Um, was signed to a one-year, like $2.5 million contract by the Memphis Grizzlies and has been like the only positive sign on an organization coming off the bench. You and just Chandler Parsons isn't... Well, he, a positive he, he's the only guy who can really get the ball in the basket. He's the only guy on the team that you can really depend on on a nightly basis to score. Mike Conley's been injured for most of the year. But again, Marcus if they don't make the playoffs, can you, are you going to give the six? Uh, how do you not give it, though, to a guy that comes off the bench on a good team and makes an impact on a winning team? Because you're talking about like the most valuable player, like most valuable player to a team. And like uh, like the value is determined what's by the value in losing, though? The sixth man is just a guy who come off the bench who can create offense on his own. That's oh, yeah, it. No, you know I, what I mean? I, I'm not part I of a 25 rotation He's, that can come off and just sort of, you know, but he put in end up situation in general and still put What about, some, wait, what about Aaron Gordon? That's who I'd vote. Eric He's, Gordon. Sorry, Eric Gordon. He's That's who I'd vote killing for. it. Yeah. And by the way, most improved, also Aaron Gordon. For most improved, yeah, we mentioned, that I mentioned yeah, that. yeah, we mentioned that before. But uh, yeah, I agree. I, Eric, Eric Gordon. If we're gonna go through all the check marks, a uh, uh, good team. That's Eric Gordon. Yeah, I can't say uh, that though because he's played twenty games. He started thirteen of them, so he's not necessarily a six man anymore. Same, same with with Lou Will though. Yeah, I guess I think because of injuries. I guess when Chris Paul comes yeah. back, I guess at the end of the season, what qualifies? How many games? Like sixty plus. Do they have to come like, off the bench? Like Lou Williams, yeah, 60 Lou Williams, 70% of the games, they have to come off so the bench. So Lou's played 22 games. He's come off the bench. Um, he started five times. So he's basically played 17 games off the bench this season. I would and like to see Norman Powell make a run at this award. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Tyreek Evans <laughs> has started uh, four games out of 23, so those guys fall in the category of six-man. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say Eric Gordon, but I don't think he necessarily falls in the category of six-man this season. Is Andre Iguodala having a good enough year, you guys no, think? No, uh, Yeah, I think he's too old now. And uh, my coach of the year is the, um, the man himself, Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey. Uh, Yo, it's, <laughs> Dwayne Casey? I, hold on. Can no, I it's just Brad Stevens. Brad, Brad Stevens. Brad if the Raptors Stevens. have a better Obviously. record than Boston... Have you seen the Then change? yes, I agree with Where, you. Okay, look, look. This guy completely changed the offense, right? We're better field goal percentage, more assists per game, more threes per game. He's completely changed the way like that he coaches offense, right? He's integrated. He has a development team and a veteran team, and he's coaching them at the same time. He's got a 12-man rotation that he's well, working. Well, you talk about like vets in the NBA and, and how some difficult respect, it, Brandon, how difficult, some respect. Like vets in the NBA and how difficult it is for them to kind of uh, redevelop their game. You know, and talk about like Jonas Valanciunas, for example, a guy that's been in the league for a while who hasn't really sort of like changed his skill set to step. accommodate the modern game. And you can't lose sight of how difficult it is for coaches. Like Dwayne Casey, you know, typically was a grit and grind sort of uh, player coach, and then yeah, and you know, evolved. developing his he's his, his coaching ethos, I guess we'll call it, to you know, spacing the floor and and redefining who he is as a coach is pretty interesting as well. So his name should be considered for, if uh, if the rap and again back to this point. Stevens is going to have other runs at it. Like, at what point do you... Like, Dwayne see, like, has paid his dues, man. He is a lifer in... in you know see, what I, I mean? See, I say Stevens this year because, like, the first game of the season, Gordon Hayward, their, like, their newly signed free agent, that's one of the sexiest free agent signings in the offseason, went down with a massive knee injury, and they're still on top of the Eastern Conference. You you can't lose sight of that. Yeah, but that's what I mean. We'll see how, 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 how it all ends. And look, sometimes that stuff can benefit a team. 
right? They galvanize. They got together because of it, and they use that. Yeah, but you need a good coach to galvanize. You're right. No, and 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 that's what I mean. But I only if Boston comes out with a better record would I say that because otherwise, like these are the quarter awards. Grinding. Dwayne has been grinding. It's time to give that man his dues. Look, if if. If I had to say one person, I don't think anyone would disagree with me. Craig Popovich. Well, you like this. I'm Kawhi this is just, no just Kawhi like the Leonard, MVP. man. They're exactly. still one of the best teams. This in the is West. just like the MVP award for me with LeBron James. If you had to give it to, it's it, look, they're third. They're still keeping up. They have rookies. They have so many players you've never even He's heard of playing. He's the Bill Belichick of the NBA. It, it's exactly. not the players. They it's almost except beat better. the Thunder the other night playing without their entire starting lineup. They were playing their development team, and they were one possession away from beating the Thunder. Greg Popovich. Greg every Popovich year. every year. Greg Popovich for president. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening. Uh, again, you can catch us, Toronto Sport Matters podcast on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. Um, any last comments, guys? Um, I was promised that I'd get a gripe. Well, give me your gripe. You know, Brandon, sometimes because sometimes they're forced. <laughs> sometimes they're forced, right? You thought about me, this one. Sometimes, okay. Yeah, no, but but this is one that legitimately irked me, right? It legitimately irked me. And it was the courtside Drake commentary the other night. Champagne poppy? I don't watch basketball, Brandon, to see celebrities. I don't turn on basketball games to witness vapid self Promotion. You get, you from get shitty pop stars. You get kids who dedicate their lives to becoming accredited members of the basketball media. Kids who do their postgraduate program in journalism or any facet of media studies in general. And you give the keys to some fucking hip hop musician from Toronto Hip-hop. who has Pop. absolutely no like, like street cred. Well, why is he interviewing basketball players in the first place? Like, what is the association of Drake and Brandon, basketball? He didn't just interview the bas- the basketball guys. He spent a quarter. Okay, uh, basically with Matt Deblin just drooling in his lap, just loving every second of it. He spent a whole quarter. He didn't even comment on the game. Mm -hmm. He talked about himself the entire time. He made fun of Jeremy Lamb's tattoo. That was pretty funny. What's that? He made fun of Jeremy Lamb's tattoo. That was pretty funny. No, but I mean, what... Jeremy He's always got Look, I'm on the opposite side of this grape. Uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. Jeremy, I'm sorry. Jeremy Lenz will play some great basketball. Look, to me, this is more about promoting <laughs> basketball to to girls in o- girls in Oakville than this is about actually, you know, the game. Because right. it was not, nothing to do with basketball. None of his commentary had anything to do with the actual players. Except for, what, their, their tattoo... Or whatever, right? And then halfway through, like, he has to get up and go to the bathroom because he can't hold... Well, the thing is, like, I like the concept of having, like, one of the biggest, if not the biggest musician in the world supporting the team the North, a Canadian-based basketball team. He's He's born in Toronto. He's an actor. An actor. What what have you. But the thing that frustrates me is his flippancy as a sports fan. He's like Justin Bieber. Like, one day he's, like, a Cavs fan. The other day he's, like, you know, schmoozing with Steph Curry. And then, like, oh, conveniently enough, now he's in Toronto. Now he's a Raptors fan. I don't see much loyalty out of the guy. Because he's fake. Because he's fake. Because he's like a lot of celebrities. It's whatever's in the moment and whatever's mm-hmm. trendy. And there was just nothing substantive. It look, I'd be okay with it if it wasn't the shittiest, most annoying commentary I've ever heard. I turned it off. I never turn off Raptors games. I enjoyed it. it. I enjoyed it. I, I liked it. You I don't. I, I don't know what this. <laughs> I don't know what this. 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 You are an empty <laughs> shell of a person. Absolute hate <laughs> so for the one global fucking person we have coming out of Canada that actually is. If he looks, brings me Kevin Durant, then we'll talk. 
It's Until not he, he signs to be a free it's agent. It's not like he didn't try. He got fined for trying to bring him over. Look, like Drake being at the at the Raptors game, what's, there's nothing I agree. He ran on for yeah, way you're, too you're, long. You're, you're right. He so shouldn't have been on there. there. It, it, made have, it should have been like a one-minute segment. But beyond that, I have no problem with Drake fucking coming Sarah on. Sarah McLaughlin, Red <laughs> Green, fucking Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys. Like, who is the Toronto national He's icon for Play-by-play, play, though. Right? Comment on the game. Like, like we're there to watch basketball. If I want to, if I want to, like I said, if I want to listen to vapid pop stars, I'll turn on much music. Look, he asked Kyrie Irving a pretty valid. He looked up at the stat board at the end of the game. Goes, I see you had 36, uh, 5, and 4, whatever, tonight. What prompts a game like this? And then Kyrie started joking. Or sorry. And then Kyle, uh, Kyle, Kyle started joking with him. So, you know. See, I didn't see that. I turned it off. It was so awful. <laughs> Again, it wasn't good. He held the mic in his own hand for half the question for so that you didn't even hear the answer. He just talked about himself the entire time. I agree. But, again, I don't think it's the worst thing for the no, Raptors. I think it's actually the worst thing. I think it might just be the worst thing in the world. He's rich. That's what happens when you're rich. And the question is, like, would you be... Well, that, and, and that's the fuck... Greg, would you be happier if, like, <laughs> instead of, like, like Drake, it was, like, Carnell official as, like, the, like, ambassador oh, yeah. for sport and... Carnell. Now, that's a... That, to me, he he's a, a, a Toronto rapper with some cred. Get some old-school hip-hop. If you're another player in the league and you see Drake sitting courtside, you see him on the thing, you see him high-fiving Kyle Lowry, you see him writing verses about Lou Williams, maybe that helps bring some free agents to the Raptors. Who knows? Like I said, I'm okay with it if he brings me Kevin Durant. Until then... Ease up with that commentary. You heard it here first, Kevin. All right, guys. Thank you very, very much for listening. Personally, I'm within the frame of mind that I think Neil Young would be a substantially better replacement. Uh, yes. Very mentally lucid <laughs> Neil Young on the, <laughs> on the sidelines. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Again, you can catch us on iTunes, Toronto Sport Matters, SoundCloud. Um, thank you very much for listening. Peace up,